if you're brand new this morning, you might want to pull out a, the Harborside app, get your smartphone, download the Harborside app. We're going to go to a book today that's written 2,500 years ago, and it's the book of Haggai. Now, I'm sure none of you this morning read the entire two chapters of Haggai. Did anybody read Haggai this morning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody does. And so Haggai is not exactly headline news, headline reading. However, it's very pertinent and relevant to Christmas. And we're going we're gonna to drive right through Haggai today and try to get through all two cha- both chapters. And it's so relevant to where you are today. Haggai is about the second temple. There were three temples in the Old Testament, but the whole Old Testament was driving to the fourth temple, which is the Holy Spirit inside of you. So we're going to go backwards to go forward. Hang on. We've got lots to cover this morning. Are you ready? Okay. So this story is the second temple. The first temple was called Solomon's Temple. David funded it. Solomon built it. And it was destroyed in 586 B.C. And the reason it was destroyed is that the people worshipped idols. And all these prophets in the Old Testament kept telling everybody, repent, 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 or we're going to send an enemy from the north to come against you. Well, that was the modern-day Iraqis, and it was Babylon. And so the people of the Babylonians from modern-day Iraq were the ones who came in 586 and destroyed the first temple. Now we're about 66 to 70 years later, and those people that went into exile into modern-day Iraq are now starting to caravan back slowly, back to the modern-day territory of of Jerusalem. And so this is now what's called the second temple, and it's called Zerubbabel's temple. Say that with me, Zerubbabel. So the first temple was Solomon's temple. The second temple is Zerubbabel's. There'll be a third temple called Herod, and we're coming to you, which is the whole reason that we have Christmas. So this is about 80 uh, B.C., 520 B.C. It's actually the month of August. And so I want you to hang with me this morning. We're going to cover lots of verses, and then we're coming to you. Ready? All right, here we go. Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. These are verses you've never read in your entire life before. All right? In the second year of King Darius, and this is a Persian king, which is modern-day Iran, so we're very newsworthy here. we got Iraq, we got Iran that we read about and hear about every night on the news. The first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. So the prophet is Haggai to Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel is the governor. So you only have to really remember two names here, and that's Haggai and Zerubbabel. Say that with me again, Zerubbabel. If anybody's pregnant and they're having a little boy, it's a great name, Zerubbabel. The kid will never be able to spell it, but it's a great name, all right? So anyway, the word of God comes to Zerubbabel, who's the governor, and comes through Haggai, who is the prophet, to Joshua, who is the high priest. Not the same Joshua that you're thinking about. This is a different Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The people keep saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's temple. So they're coming back, they're caravanning back to the area, and they've laid the temple mount. And for two years, they basically built the foundation. Now, for 16 years, it lays idle. So for 16 years, God's temple just lays in ruins, and everybody's doing something else. So here's the point. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, 
And he says, is it a time for you yourselves to be, to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? This today is not about a building. This today is about worship. Worship in the temple was the center of their universe. They were not able to worship outside of a temple. All the things that took place inside of the temple was their worship. The temple was the epicenter of their entire worship. And so what the people had done, which I don't blame them, the people had come back, they're now plowing their fields. They're now building their houses. They're now putting up fences. They're now trying to get livestock. They're trying to get commerce. The people are doing exactly what you and I would expect people to do to rebuild their lives back in their home country. But after 16 years of the temple lying dormant, and after starting on it and building the temple foundation for two years, they're doing nothing, which means they're not worshiping. So relax. This is not a ploy about the capital campaign. This is all about worship and how the fact that they were not able, they were not worshiping. They couldn't worship because that was how they did the worship, the sacrifices in the holy place and outside in the bronze altar and all of those things. And so Haggai is asking the people, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses? Now, I don't know what paneled houses are. You know, uh, houses go through different construction, different uh, styles, vintage, you know, brick. More, I, don't, I don't know, but the paneled houses must have been the thing of the day. Doesn't sound like much to me, does it you? I don't really want panel in my house, do you? Of course not. That's not our culture today. But this is like bougie houses, all right? Is it time for you to be living? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. That's a great phrase. And he will say that multiple times in the book of Haggai. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but never enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Now, how does this sound? That's discouraging, isn't it? And what he's getting ready to tell them is, you don't have God's favor. And the reason you don't have God's favor is that you don't have your priorities right. You don't really care about worship. You only care about yourself. And he's basically saying they are doing life the hard way. You ever done life the hard way? I have. Probably most of my life I've done life the hard way. And what he's saying here to the people is you don't have the favor of God. You may have food. You may have houses. You may have money. But it's, it's the hard way. And he's saying I've not really come to bless you. I've not really put my supernatural hand of favor over you. Very interesting. You've planted much, but you don't have much corn or wheat. You eat, but you're eating beanie weenies or peanut butter and jelly every time. I actually like beanie weenies, don't you? I, I should use Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts are food from hell. I'm convinced. <laughs> I'm convinced. There'll be no... Do you like Brussels sprouts? Oh, it's food from hell. It's food from hell. I got to change churches. I got to change churches. Really? Oh, they're awful. Just awful. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're always cold. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. 
This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. And he's saying, there's a reason why I'm not blessing your business. And there's a reason why I'm not blessing your finances. And there's a reason why I'm not blessing your farm. Because you really don't care about me, is what God is saying in this story. Wow. Go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build my house that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. This is the second temple. This is called Zerubbabel's Temple. It had been laying dormant now for about 16 years. Actually, closer to 66, but they started rebuilding it about 16 years before this. That I may be honored. You expect much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Because of my house, which remains in ruin, which each of you is busy with your own house. And therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. Now, here's the point. Judah has a place of misplaced priorities. The temple being rebuilt, it's not about money. It's not about manpower. It's not about materials. It's about their focus. And again, the people are doing life the hard way. So as your pastor this morning, I think this is incredibly relevant to your life. Because so many people go through life the hard way. And the hard way is not God's way. Now, it doesn't mean that you won't have this and do this and be this and go here and do this. And go. It doesn't mean that. But it really means that you're going to spend your entire life swimming against the current, swimming against the stream. And there is a better way for your family. And there's a better way for your life. And what he's saying is, it's the way of worship. And that's the entire New Testament driving us toward the temple, the fourth temple of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You and I are made to be worshipers. We'll come back to that. And so Judah has a place of mispriorities, and life's not going real well for them because they really don't care about God being the top priority. There is no worship in the land right now. There's none. They had to have a physical temple in order for these sacrifices and things to take place. Hmm. There's always cause and effect, isn't there? We always see that in life. I call for a drought on the fields and the mountains on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on people and the livestock and all the labor of your hands. What is God saying? I want to bless you, but you haven't turned to me. I want you to honor me, but I can't. I can't honor your crops and your fields and your farms. I can't honor your businesses. I can't honor, I can't honor you because really you don't honor me. Now, the interesting thing about God is he plays no rivals. There's no second place with God. God will not be second place. He demands our all, he demands our best, and he demands to be the top priority of your life and of my life. And so he's basically calling for a drought. Why? So they'll turn back to him. Could it be that some of the challenges of your life were actually God working against you so that God would actually help you to turn back toward him? Could it be that some of the things that you've not done well are actually the hand of the Father trying to help you to come back to, your, to the humility and the honesty of just giving him glory and praise? Could it be that the number one priority of your life is not worship, but it's something else in your life? And so today, it's an incredible story, the book of Haggai. I know you all read this this morning before you came to church. 
Then Zerubbabel and Joshua and the whole remnant obeyed the voice of the Lord. We're going to skip all those names. And the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. I love this. So here's what happens. Obedience always brings the presence and power of God into your life. Do you want more of the presence of God? Do you want more of the power of God in your life? The, the presence and the power of God comes when there is this incredible obedience. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you. Now, this is what we always need to understand. God is always with us. And God always wants to be with you. And God always wants to put his hand on your education. He always wants to put your hand on your skills. He always wants to put your, his hand on your children. He always wants to put his hand on your future. He always wants to put his hand on your bed. Everything, God always wants to put his hand on you. But he always wants your heart to be totally with him. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, governor of Judah, the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant. They came and they began to work on the house of the Lord God Almighty. Now, I want you to catch the first part, not the building project. I want you to catch the first couple of verses there. The Lord stirred up the spirit, and he stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, and he stirred up the spirit of Joshua. This is what he's done today. There was the first temple called Solomon's Temple. And it was a place, a location. And you went there to worship. You went there and you offered sacrifices. Then you would go now to Zerubbabel's Temple. And Zerubbabel's Temple was rebuilt. And Zerubbabel's Temple, the people then started again the sacrifices, the commitments. They started doing the, the feasts. They started going through the Day of Atonement once a year. And then there was Herod's Temple. In the day of Jesus. And in the day of Jesus, Herod's, Herod's temple was basically Zerubbabel's temple, but it was like on steroids. Herod now for 46 years continued to build this massive temple. And so Jesus is actually walking through the courtyards of this massive Herod's temple. And Jesus is telling everybody, that's not the temple. That isn't it. There's coming a day when I'm going to leave you. It is for your good that I go away. And when I go away, I will give you the spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth will come inside of you. And that's the Holy Spirit. That's the new temple. The temple of the living God now lives in every believer. It was never about a place. It started off as a tent. It went to a tabernacle. It went to Solomon's temple. It went to Zerubbabel's temple. It went to Herod's temple. And today, it's the power of God inside of you. And every one of us who call ourselves believers now have this incredible potential. It's like kinetic energy inside of us. But there's like two volume knobs. If you can picture these volume knobs of a radio. And one of these volume knobs is gets turned up, and it's fear, and it's worry, and it's anxiety, and what am I going to do, and how am I going to have enough money, and I don't have enough time, or the anxiety gets turned up with, what about me, and my, my lust, and my greed, and my life, and my will, and all these things get turned up inside the believer. The other knob inside of every believer is the Holy Spirit, and it's light, and it's love, and it's grace, and it's mercy, and it's freedom, and it's forgiveness. And inside of every one of us are these two knobs. 
Which knob are you turning up and which knob are you turning down? Because this story is a Christmas story. Because through Zerubbabel would come the Davidic dynasty. Through David would be the lineage and the Messiah of Jesus Christ. And it's the temple of the Holy Spirit inside of you today which counts. And so he stirs up this spirit. He stirs up a spirit in Haggai. He stirs up a spirit in Zerubbabel. And every once in a while, your spirit gets all stirred up. And you can feel it. And you've had some kind of an encounter. And when you have an encounter, you carry encounter. And when you don't have an encounter, you never carry an encounter. And so some people just come to church. They've never had an encounter. Some people just go to work. They've never had an encounter. Some people just go to school. They've never had an encounter. You can choose which volume button you're going to turn up. And they're both inside of you. You've got the human spirit and you've got your Holy Spirit inside of you. And so this fourth temple today is the spirit of the living God inside of you. You go, I don't feel anything. Well, I bet you feel fear. I bet you feel greed. I bet you feel lust. I bet you feel anxiety. I bet you feel, you feel something. Something's going on in here, right? But then every once in a while, you turn that down, and you turn up the other one, and you go, wow, that's God. Because I'm not that smart. And that's God, because I'm not that generous. And that's God, because I'm not that good. And something supernatural inside of you begins to take place. And so he's given us today his Holy Spirit, and it's on us, and it's in us for two different reasons. We'll come back to that in just a minute. So he stirred up the Spirit. This is all prophetic, friends, for 2,500 years later to 2019, December the 8th. This is all prophecy about the Messiah and what the Messiah would do. This is all prophetic that someday there would be a temple inside of you. The third temple, Herod's temple, was destroyed in A.D. 70. And all those temple sacrifices were destroyed forever. And they've never established that, and they never will. Because God brought that to an end. No more would there be a temple where people would physically go to. Because now the temple of the Holy Spirit is inside of you. So what do you do? I'm glad you asked that question. Okay. Speak. Speak to them. Speak to the people. Speak to the remnant and ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? In other words, 70 years ago, how many of you are still alive who remember Solomon's temple? How does it look to you now? Does it seem like anything to you? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the high priest. Be strong, all the people of the land. And work, for I am with you, declares. I love that. He said, and work. Now, this work was physically building that second temple. None of us are going to physically build a temple today. None of us are, unless you're in construction management. But here's what you are to do. Everywhere you go, you're to turn up the volume of the Holy Spirit. And everywhere you go, you're to turn down the volume of all the craziness of this world. And you don't allow the craziness of this world to get on you and infect you. 
Because when you turn up the volume of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have the opportunity to impact every environment you go into. See, when you have an encounter, you carry encounter. And when you carry an encounter, see, you can go into your family this Christmas. Maybe your family's crazy. Anybody crazy in your family? Okay. There's a few crazy. If you don't know, you're the crazy one, okay? So if you, it's all right. all right. We're church full of crazies. That's all right. We're good with that. The, the, the point is, wherever you got, you got to work, you got work people that make fun of Christ. You got work people that make fun of you. You got people around you that don't share your view. Everywhere you go, you can impact that environment. So he gave you the Holy Spirit for two reasons. One, he gave the Holy Spirit to be inside of you. That's for you. That's for you. And the Holy Spirit inside of you just helps you to be peaceful, to be calm, to be courageous, to be forgiving. But he also put the Holy Spirit on you. And he put the Holy Spirit on you so that you would impact every culture, every environment, every person you ever encounter. It all comes from Haggai. 2,500 years before the Messiah was ever born. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. This has been God's plan since the creation of the world, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So how we go about turning up the volume of the Holy Spirit is really about the convictions that you hold. And the convictions that you hold will always determine your future. So what are your convictions about Christ? What are your convictions about the Word of God? What are your convictions about prayer? What are your convictions about morality? What are your convictions about living within the margins of Scripture? Those, those will be the ones where you turn up the volume of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. What are the convictions? And what are, the, what are your covenants? Where have you put your covenant faith? Where are the covenants in your life? This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the dry land. And he did this. He did this through a man named Zechariah. Zechariah is in the temple burning incense. And this angel says to him, you and your wife Elizabeth are going to have a boy. How can this be? She's old. I'm old. We've been praying for this, you know, for 40 years. And he says, uh, I'm Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and you're going to have a son. Your older wife, Elizabeth, will give birth to a boy. That's John the Baptist, and it's back on. And John is going everywhere saying, behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John is preparing everyone to get ready for this incredible Messiah. It's a story rich with history. It's a story that just makes absolute sense when you look at the whole, the whole big picture. In a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth. Man, did he shake the heavens and the earth with John the Baptist. Man, did he shake the heavens and the earth with Jesus. When Jesus goes to the cross, the whole earth goes dark for three hours. Jesus is on the cross from nine to noon and from noon to three there is darkness covering the earth, shaking the earth. And then when Jesus rose from the dead, the rocks split, the graves came open. And hundreds and hundreds of believers now are out walking the city. I thought Uncle John died. I thought he did too. Well, there he is at the market. I mean, they're everywhere. People are everywhere. I will shake it.
I will shake all the nations, and what is desired by all the nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. I just love that. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. That's what I want you to catch. See, most people think that he's talking about a physical building. I don't think that's what this is about. Some people write about this as a prophecy that says there'll be a future temple that's going to be bigger and greater someplace. I don't think that's what this is referring to. This is referring to you. His glory is you. His glory is transforming you. His glory is taking you, a sinful person, a greedy person, a lustful person, an unforgiving person, a person full of envy, a person full of jealousy. His, his glory is taking you from this to this. And all of a sudden, you now are this, you keep growing and you, you keep transforming. You look back on your life and you're not the same woman, you, you're not the same person, you're not the same man you used to be. God's glory is how he changes me and how he changes you. The greater glory is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Christmas story is a story of hope. It's a story of change. So I want to, I want you, I want to land today with this. Inside of you, if you can picture two volume buttons, two radio buttons, which button are you going to let control your life? What do you want? Do you want to keep turning up the volume of this world? That's the hard way. That's, that's purses with holes in it. That's planting crops that 30-fold comes true instead of 100-fold. That's staying cold even though you got clothes. What, what, what do you, what's offered to you is a greater glory. And the greater glory is that you learn I'm going to trust you. I'm, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to become a worshiper. I'm going to search your scriptures. I'm going to hold on to some covenants. I'm going to hold on to some convictions. I'm going to, oh, I didn't do so good there. I turned the volume down there, but I'm going to turn it back up. I didn't, do, I didn't handle that well, but I'm coming back. I'm, I'm going to turn it up. I'm, going, I'm coming up. And the greater glory, my friends, is you. The greater glory is never a building. The greater glory wasn't Solomon's temple, Zerubbabel's temple, Herod's temple. The greatest glory is Christ in you. There are no limits. Our team is starting to write songs about our theology. Holy Spirit, you're my best friend. There are no limits with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And so my, my challenge to you is, what do you want? Which of these two buttons are you going to turn down or turn up? And that's truly up to you. So we worship, and we worship. We walk at the park, and we sing the doxology out loud. In the middle of the night, when we wake up, we worship. When we're overwhelmed with anxiety, with a daughter being in labor for 22 hours, we worship. We go to Psalm 91, and we sing, and we pray, and we quote 45 different scripture verses about labor and delivery. We worship. We don't worry. We worship. We take all of our anxiety, and the greater glory is what you are becoming. 
So rise up. Rise up. Everywhere you go, carry that encounter. And then more encounters happen. And then more encounters happen. And then more encounters happen. And once you begin to worship, I'm just warning you, the floodgates come open. Because he's going to show up in your life. He's going to show off in your life. And it's the greater glory that you can have in your life. Now, the place to always begin, the place to always start is with Christ. And so today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, that's where we begin. But I want to encourage all those of you that are believers, what unhealthy volume button do I keep turning up? And that's just silly because I'm doing life the hard way. And the challenge is not the challenge, it's the opportunity to turn up the volume and the power of the Holy Spirit inside your life. And then when you go into work and you go into homes and you go into Christmas crazy or you go wherever, you just, you can't believe you're so calm. You can't believe you're so strong. You just can't, because you know it's not you. You know it's because of your encounter. So I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come down front. I'm going to ask you to read Haggai this week because you've never read it before. And uh, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to close in prayer. Oh, God, the greater glory is you. The great glory is Christ in us. What a gift. And it all got stirred up and started up again in that temple with Gabriel coming to Zechariah. Thank you for this story. Let us carry our encounters. Let us be worshipers. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.